Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Monday morning to you. It is a college football championship Monday morning here on the Gridiron Stud Show with Chad Wilson. Amo Calamino here to try and uh, break it all down for you uh, this very uh, humble Monday as we reach the inaugural college football playoff championship game between the Oregon Ducks and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And uh, there were some NFL playoff games that went down this weekend. I don't know how my co-host made it to the show today. He must be in tears, in shambles. He must be beside himself. If he has a dog, he probably kicked it. Tell me you don't have a dog, Emil. I have two dogs. I didn't kick it. I'm fine. All right. Well, Listen, sure you know, Denise, you know. I'm, I'm sure Denise hit them both in the base. She, she might have hit. No, I don't do that. Listen, hey. <laughs> I've been consistent. No one call costs you a game. There was things that we can talk about when we get to that game that were certainly. Uh, things that the Cowboys controlled that could have made that play irrelevant, okay? And when you leave a game in the hands of referees and umpires occasionally, it doesn't go your way. That said, I mean, listen, if that's not a catch, (laughs) then I'm not sure I know what a catch is anymore. (laughs) Well, we'll certainly get into the catch, which wasn't uh, later on when we talk about the NFL playoff games, obviously uh, a bitter uh, outcome there for Cowboys fans who have taken to social media with their pitchforks and their lanterns and everything <laughs> else, ready to burn everything down. One week after a very controversial call uh, got them a victory in their game against Detroit, no one, and I mean no one in the Detroit area codes is feeling sorry for the Dallas Cowboys on this Monday morning. <laughs> They're thinking karma is a you-know-what. Uh, that's how they well, yeah, but you know where you know where that's misguided in that whole karma thing with you know besides just being. Fans, are you going to tell me that fans are misguided right now? Is that what you're going to tell me? No, or fans well? being fans. Karma, karma would suggest the Cowboys did something to control number one. In other words, they did something. They didn't do anything. Okay, so <laughs> the bottom line is, you know, if you, if you don't like karma, complain to the referees because you know they're not officiating the game. And number two, there's a little bit of a difference regardless. And again, I say they didn't lose the game because of a call. Um, there's a big difference between getting a first down on the opponent's 35 or 40 with eight, nine minutes left in the game and having a first down on the one-yard line with four minutes left in the game, down five. A little bit of a difference, but call me crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, someone calling a Cowboys fan crazy would not be the craziest. Not be a first, world, right? Inevitably. <laughs> it would not be a first. Definitely not going to be a last, uh, but, you know, Seasons come to an end in the playoffs. The Cowboys did come to an end, as did uh, three other teams this weekend. So we will be talking about that. If you want to join us on the show today, the number to call is 347-633-9365. 
as uh, the intro wrapped out for you, but just felt the need to give it to you again. 347-633-9365. As always, we can be reached on Twitter if you have a question or comment, at Gridiron Studs. We welcome that kind of stuff, you know, that feedback kind of thing. It is Monday morning. You are all around the water cooler. You can bring some of your water cooler action to the Gridiron Stud Show if you so please, and we can uh, bring it up for discussion here on the show today. All right, Emil, uh, at some point here we do need to make a uh, prediction on the national championship game that's going down tonight between Oregon and Ohio State. I do need to tell you I am a bit spooked by Urban Meyer. Uh, When I was watching Oregon take on Florida State a couple weeks ago, uh, it looked like a done deal for me. I didn't even care what went on in the Ohio State-Alabama game. It just looked like Oregon was a juggernaut. But, uh, you know, I've had some time to think about it. And, hey, we'll see which way I go with this thing, but not as easy a pick as it uh, seemed maybe two weeks ago. Well, I don't – yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it was an easy pick. I, I think Ohio State has a lot of great athletes on their team, and if they were able to get through a season like this with for most of it with their second-string quarterback and then win two big games with their third-string quarterback, you got to take them seriously. So I'm, I'm not sure it was an easy pick to begin with, but uh, – you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm you know, I'm kind of like you. I vacillated back and forth a little bit. I, I have an idea which way I want to go now, so we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, some, some, you know, very interesting and fun for us to have on uh, a Monday. It's the last Monday we're going to have uh, some football on the television for quite some time. So I'm in an early depression, better, Chad. Better usually, my, my usually my depression is February. I mean that because I'm realizing that you know we we've only got one two three four football games left. Uh, that's it. So that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Um, but and, but and, but you did you did bring some sunshine when you when you did mention that really there is no off season. I mean this is year round anymore. We, we you know we go right from the Super Bowl to the the, the period where teams re-sign their, their their free agents. We get into free agency, the draft, mini camps, and before you know it, we're kicking it off again. So, oh, don't forget the combine. Com- uh, well, I don't watch the underwear Olympics. You do. Bowls. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's fun. I'm gonna watch some 270 pound guy this year run a 4340, uh, and I'm gonna get completely afraid. Um, it's the kind of stuff that makes you go out and buy a handgun. Um, so that's what we're gonna see in the combine. <laughs> Without no, wait a second, uh, no, I'd, in a couple be months. careful there. Hey, let me ask you before we, generally speaking, okay, um, mm-hmm. before we really break down these games, just more general. What I was thinking yesterday, mental note to put on air with you. Yeah, has the NFL made their game so difficult to officiate that maybe they need to look at it? I mean, what I mean by that is, we have all this great football, and really, we're, we're spending a lot of time talking about officials, and I, I, I'm not sure that's where you want the sport to go if you're just a football fan in general. I don't see it as much in college. I mean, we laugh at the incompetency sometimes in college officiating where they can't, you know, it takes them 10 minutes to make a call and they stop the game. But generally speaking, you don't find most college games where after the game we're talking about the officials. We're talking about football, and it seems like the NFL, if I'm running that sport, that's not really where I want it headed. Hey, well, I have no idea how these guys in the stripes for the NFL do it. How do they run around with this total uh, Rolodex of rules that's flying around? I don't even know what to throw a flag on anymore. There's just 
so many. Well, you played good. your whole really? life. So, I'm, I mean, it's when I see a guy like you that really doesn't know all the rules at this point, then I'm saying to myself, okay, time out. You know, you've, you've, you've over, in other words, you're thinking too hard about it, these guys at the competition committee in the NFL. We watch college football. You and I usually rail on the defense most Mondays saying, no, oh, come on, how are you mm-hmm. getting 50 points in a game? The NFL is worried about scoring. In college, their rules are rather simple. Number one, you can hit the, you can push the receiver beyond five yards as long as the ball's not in the air. It's basically mm-hmm. the old NFL rule. Um, you get one foot in bounds, you're in. And at the end of the day, we see teams scoring 40 and 50 points all the time in college. Now, I'm not saying it would happen where they'd score 40 and 50 in the NFL, but what I am saying is I don't think your scoring would be as, as impacted as owners think. If you just took some of these crappy rules, I mean, is it, as a fan, I'm asking this. People, I would love someone to call and explain to me. Do you really want to watch a game which has become? I'm going to throw the ball 40 yards down the field. I'm going to pray to God a big guy jumps up and catches it. But if he doesn't, we're all going to turn in unison to the ref and root for a flag. Is that excitement? Oh boy, we got a flag. Let's move the ball 40 yards down the field. I listen, I don't know, but with as easy as it is to get a pass interference penalty in the league now, I think they probably want to do, they probably do want to review um the penalty for getting a pass interference penalty. Why no, but no, so you you I used a bad example cuz cuz pass interference is just one thing that we could, that's an easy one. There's I know, too, there's a myriad, there's, there's yeah, a myriad there's too of many holds, yeah. too many illegal, what is illegal contact? You know, you run seven yards down the field and I give you a little push in the shoulder. I mean, come on. Illegal contact. That yeah, an automatic contact. first down. Is is that really exciting? I mean, is that what we want? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I agree. I agree. There's just too many damn rules. I don't know how these guys do it. I just don't know Dennis how they Miller, do it. Dennis Miller, the comedian, feel like, was on a kick yesterday. He uh-huh. was just on Twitter and Facebook. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. a big NFL fan. I mean, he worked for the league. Mm-hmm. He was just going crazy saying he won't watch it. He's like, listen, I love the sport, but tell me who won. I, I, I'm not enabling Goodell anymore. I won't watch this. He goes, this is just silliness. He goes. Yeah, I, I know. The, the rest must feel like can, like contestants on Jeopardy. Just, there's no way you're going to know all those damn answers to them damn questions. And I have a feeling that that's what they're out there like. And we'll throw a flag and figure out if it's a penalty later. Hey, that looks well, kind of violent. It yeah, like the other problem flag. is, you know, Let's we're sitting here. Pardon me, but we're sitting here, right? You, me, everybody else. We got our TVs, 1080. We're on our couch. We got the rewind button. If you have the, you know, the direct TV and the, whatever the dish, you, know, you go backwards. Mm-hmm. These guys, you got seven or what is there, eight of them. They're running around with yeah. the biggest, fastest guys in the world, okay? And I'm not sure instant replay has fixed as much as people think it has. So what I'm saying mm-hmm. is maybe we just we understand that the game's played by humans. There's some errors in it. We make the rules a little easier to officiate from the field. And really, I'm I'm opposite of what most people think. They want to expand instant replay. What I want to do is make it a very small sliver of things they can review. A scoring play, maybe a turnover, and that's it. You, you know, at a certain point, you're just stopping these games way too much. I'm saying make it easier. I mean, they somehow they managed to get to this point, and in 1975, they didn't have instant replay, and the game was just fine. We 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 need a shrinking of rules. Uh, we we need 
a shrinking of replay. We need a shrinking of all that stuff. But unfortunately, well, it's not going to go down that way. We're only going to get more of that. They have all these meetings in the off season, and when you get in a room with a pen and a pad and a suit on, you have the feeling that you need to do something. You can't just have a meeting and walk well, out. Well, now they want to make the goalposts smaller, Jack. The NFL wants to make the goalposts smaller. You, it's those meetings. Amo, I promise you, it's those damn meetings. I mean, they it's get almost in that room like and they saying, come out of there and feel like they need to do something. But here's the thing: if you're a kicker, right? These guys have got proficient at kicking, okay? And still, you see them miss 45-yard field goals. But they get great at their craft, and the the NFL solution They're is trying to make those guys miserable. Yeah, let's make them <laughs> miss field goals. But but on the other hand, let's make every quarterback in the NFL pretty good anymore because we'll make the rules real easy for them. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh it's it's bad, man, and they really need to slow down on that. But unfortunately, I don't see it anymore. And more and more, the stripes are becoming uh, the story of the game. Unfortunately, and that's not what this thing was intended to be. This this league has uh, been about the players, it's been about the personalities, it's been about the coaches, and now it's starting to be more and more. Like, why do we know so much now about what? I mean, we know all these these referees' names now. I mean, we didn't really know that as No, kids. they were we faithless maybe the top and nameless two white hats. Yeah, yeah, we they... knew the top two white hats, maybe. You know, yeah. uh, what was the guy's name? Jerry Alston, Red, or whatever his name was. Maybe We, we knew, knew the guy was guy. giving him the business. Who was that, Jerry Austin? He's giving him the business yeah. for a penalty you years know, ago. Yeah, we knew that. But now we know all these dudes. And when they're done playing, they become celebs by uh, – Chiming in on the... On the well, on how the, about Mike you know, Pereira? Like, here's a guy, right, with nice hair. Mike Pereira is a guy with nice hair and a $2,000 suit. Well-greased, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's well-greased. <laughs> Why do I care about this? He's doing commercials, man. My, <laughs> is he? Yes. No, stop. Is he? Is yes. He stop, man. You know yes. I didn't see a whole bunch of games this weekend. I swear to God, I forget the product. About? He has a commercial. Oh, my I God. Is it a pasta to... commercial? I yes. swear to God, if it's yeah, he's going to be in the next Goodfellas. I promise you, he's going to be. In oh, the... <laughs> you're, you know what? You're right. But but here here's the thing. That moment, you know, there's a lot of people that are gleeful about that because let's face it, you know, the Cowboys are like the Yankees. They have as many people that love them mm-hmm. as hate them. So mm-hmm. it's right. it's very simple. Well, it's like when Jeter's homer got caught years ago. That was the reason the Yankees won the World Series. Yeah, of course. Okay. Mm-hmm. Point mm-hmm. is. That was a bad. That was a bad moment last night for the NFL because if I walked into a bar with 50 drunks and I said I'll buy everybody a drink if you just give me an honest answer whether you hate or love the Cowboys was that a catch? Mm-hmm. 50 drunks mm-hmm. would have told me that was a catch because if you're watching football long enough, it looked like a catch. It quacked like well, a catch. Well, no, hold on now. You can't. You can't come on, buddy. You can't come in here and base uh, your standpoint on an issue as to whether or not a drunk. <laughs> No, but what I'm trying no, you're missing my, my my overarching point. I'm not even saying they would have won the game. I'm not bitter about that. What I'm bitter about is I want the games to be decided, you know, basically by play. I mean a guy goes up, makes a catch, not takes, some obscure rule, right? Right, takes like three the steps. Tuck rule, Here's like the thing, he didn't that. catch the ball, right? And fall down where you could say, Okay, he went to the ground, he didn't control it. He caught mm-hmm. it. He took mm-hmm. one, two, three and makes a dive for the end zone and they tell them that mm-hmm. it was not a move common to football because he never established himself as upright. So what, he should stand up and not <laughs> die for the I mean, what I mean, I'm just saying that stuff if it was if it was reversed, if that was the Eagles and Packers mm-hmm. and I'm out of it, okay, I'd be mm-hmm. telling you today if an Eagle guy did that, that was a catch. Okay, it looked like a catch to me. <laughs> Well, obviously, they're going to have to take a good, long, hard look at this rule um, in the off season. Perhaps we'll get some type of a reversal on it. It's just idiotic. But I'm not going to hold my breath because the tuck rule still exists. 
Um, Talk rules, so, another dumb thing. Know. Let's look at rules like Madden said. Let's make a rule up, okay? He says this all the time. In the 70s, when we saw a fumble, he said it was a fumble. He goes, now we look for rules to make things not fumbles. In other words, oh, no, he was talking <laughs> it back down. It's like, are you kidding me? If it looks like a fumble, it's it's an effing fumble. <laughs> well, the <laughs> well, the rules back in the day were made to stop like obvious advantages being gained, like the holy roller. I mean, good God, yes. man! On fourth down, you can't just go flip yes, the ball that's, forward. Yes, that's fine. You can't roll the ball forward twenty yards. I got you there. Yeah, that's fine. but Christ, what, what what advantage was gained by Calvin Johnson going up and you know catching the ball, obviously, and then his hand putting it on the ground, ground so he could celebrate. Out. Right, for for God's sake. So, and then the same thing with Des Bryant. I mean, listen, Emil. I guess uh, under the way the rule is uh, has been crafted, the catch could be taken away. Uh, well, not a clear interpretation of that rule. That yesterday, you know, Calvin Johnson's example, I guess, was uh, a better example of that stupid rule. Um, but well, yeah, yesterday was a, be, and even Des said that he goes not the same thing. He goes, well, Des basically said in a very subdued manner. While Calvin's was a mm-hmm. catch, he basically just fell backwards, put the ball on the ground, and stood up. He goes, I took. He goes, I took three steps and dove for the pylon, man. <laughs> yeah, he was making an attempt to, after catching the ball, try to score with it. That's clear. That's obvious to anyone who watched it, uh, except for the guys who. Um, you know, we're supposed to make the decision on that. So, uh, either way, you're right, though, uh, when you say there's a strong chance that they could have punched it in on that and then Green Bay goes down and... Right! I'm not saying they would have won. That's not me. I'm not I'm not an excuse maker. They had their chances. We'll break down each game later. I'm just very frustrated in general that I spend Mondays on our show usually talking about officiating. I'm saying as a general rule of thumb... Not, that's not what I like. I like football for different reasons, and that's not what I like about it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, no question about that. Emil, have you seen the Buffalo Bills have hired a new coach? Have they? Rex, Who's the new coach Rex in Ryan, Buffalo? Rex Ryan of the New York Jets. Somewhere out there, there is a coach who has had one coaching job in the NFL, and it didn't really work out for them, and would really like to be a head coach again, and is looking at that hire and saying, Man, what in the hell? What just absolutely in the hell is going on here that this guy will jump out and 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 get and get another opportunity this fast? Well, that's why that Rooney rule is a joke with 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 making you know teams interview African Americans for jobs because I look around the league and what do we have right now? Three black coaches. We do. I hate to go there with this, but come on, man. You're telling me that there's not even black, I'm white, not even purple. Saying, I'm not even saying just black coaches, man. No, I'm, I'm saying in saying... general. I'm saying generally to you, black, white, or purple, there has to be somebody better for that job than Rex Ryan. And what did he say in the interview? How did he explain? <laughs> his wife his, his wife's going to get a Buffalo Bills tattoo. They said, you're in. Uh, yeah, I... Uh... Man, I I don't know I I don't know. But he played uh, with the owner's wife's foot during the interview. Uh, man, <laughs> did you have to go there? Something. But he said something really magical in that interview. And then you know, also, uh, you know, I've seen several things about the Rooney Rule, and I really don't want to make it about that because I, I I would say someone like a Jim Mora, who I believe wants to coach NFL football again, is saying, "Well, damn, you guys." 
it essentially put me out of the league and wouldn't give me another job that I had to go to UCLA. But this guy turned the Jets into a complete clown show in the, in the most major metropolitan area that exists in the country. And he gets another job. Well, can I make two points here, first of all? I don't think he's moved all his stuff out of the Jets' offices yet. First of all, he's probably one of the few, you know, handful of people with NFL experience that actually wants the Buffalo job. I mean, let's face it, people aren't running to live in Buffalo, New York, most of the year. Okay, that's number one. Number two, while I'm sure there's others besides him that would take one of the 32 jobs in the league, I'm not silly to suggest that. It is a little bit about the Rooney rule, not so much for this specific job, but I think the rule is condescending and a joke, okay? Because obviously these owners, okay, do not interview a lot of candidates regardless of their color. They have people in mind, okay? The, the rule is there for nothing more than to placate people. And I, I really hate to see guys who, when they know the job's not opened, I, I hate to see, see them go in and take the interview. If that was me, if I was a black guy and I knew that I'm not getting hired because they already have a guy, I'm telling them, piss off, I'm not going to play that game with you. Mm-hmm. And that's just the uh, way I feel about it. Right, right. Because uh, I'm just, I, you know, I just I don't can, think, I don't think I they take it seriously. It. I mean, how do we have a sport? And I, listen, I usually... I, I don't really care about much of this, but this 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 got this gets me a little bit fired up. We've got a mm-hmm. sport with sixty percent of the guys in the league are black, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we have what mm-hmm. three three coaches that are black, head coaches, but a lot mm-hmm. of the assistants mm-hmm. are black. So mm-hmm. you're telling me that a job comes open, and and this guy interviews a lot of people, and the best he can do is Rex Ryan. That's amazing. <laughs> It is amazing that that, that is uh, that is the case. I'm, uh, what's he going to do there? What's going to be different there? He's going to suck. That's what he's going to do. He's going to suck like the Jets suck. Maybe well, now be. that wouldn't be different. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be different. I mean, what did he say? Oh, well, it was the pressure of the New York press that really unraveled my team, and that won't exist here in Buffalo, so we're going to be better. Because it's looking like the same situation. They are not right at the quarterback position. And uh, I'm, this is almost the same team, man. They're not right at the quarterback position, and they don't have a great offensive line to put an average quarterback in there to be successful. In other words, like, you know, Kansas City's been able to win with an Alex Smith because basically they can run the ball and protect them. No, they're, they're gonna, it's going to be, in my opinion, another disaster. The only thing he has going for him is they do have a pretty salty defense, so, you know, he may be able, may be able to win some games that way. But generally speaking, he should be happy that he won't have to worry about the media because I'm not sure yeah, there's much uh, media up there. Oh, they'll be there uh, if there's any shenanigans going on with him. You can bet that. You know what? They may not. They may not have been much media there, but with him there, it, it's it. The media is going to show up. You can bet your bottom. We're well, a little quiet here. Do you think I'm out of school about this rule when these coaching changes come up every year? I mean, I just don't see it as as a legitimate rule. I I think it's a farce. Well, that's gonna. Well, listen. That's gonna be the the. That's the unique part of our show. You are going to take the. Uh, you you are gonna take the position that uh, a guy of my color should, and I'm gonna take the position uh, that a guy of your color should. I think what we've got going on a little bit is maybe maybe the interview process is not going the way that it should for some of these minority candidates. Um, I think something needs to be done in in that arena, and and an example of that is look look at a guy like Rex Ryan. Okay, he has made the New York Jets 
situation a complete and total clown show. Um, nothing really redeeming um, to, to go off of in his regime there other than they p- could play pretty good defense. And then he goes over to Buffalo. The reason he got that job, Amal, has to be because he can really handle the interview process. That has to be it. It can't be that the Bills just really wanted to hire a white guy uh, for this position. He had to be a very good interview and convince the owner that he can get the job done there. And I think more probably needs to be done uh, for some of these minority candidates where they can go in there and control and handle an interview better. That and it may be a little bit of Emil, uh maybe maybe some of the better minority candidates aren't indeed being interviewed. I'll have to look at it. Well, that, let's start with this. There's a little bit it, of both. If the, if the general wisdom in the NFL and most major sports is to hire mm-hmm. someone with experience, let's start there, okay, baseball, Mm-hmm. basketball, football, okay. You you want to coach with experience, okay? So that means you're looking at guys who are what I call recycles. If you have a history because of, you know, obviously we've been moving hopefully more and more toward, you know, more you know more of an opportunity for minorities in these sports, most of the coaches are already white, so the recycles are going to be white. So I'm not saying that – what I'm saying is even if you are interviewing – minority assistant coaches, you don't have a pool of already established minority black coaches to take a recycle from, unless you want Denny Green to come out of retirement. Okay? Yeah, so, uh, this is true. And then you, you also need to do something at the coordinator levels, too. They need to get coordinator jobs, and I think that's a little bit of a failing. That's been pointed out by some other reporters uh, and people speaking on it uh, as well. You've got to get them into the coordinator positions because that's the stepping stone uh, uh, right before becoming a head coach, it allows them to experience what it's like to have uh, an increased amount of um, responsibility and kind of preps them for that head coaching position. So there's a little bit of a failure there. Yeah, what I'm calling for is a legit chance is what I'm saying. I just want it to be, mm-hmm. in other words, where a job like Buffalo, if they interviewed 10 people, okay, and they had a couple of minority guys come in, Jim Moore comes in or whoever else you want. I mean, and then they said, hey, this is why we went with Rex Ryan. Okay, well, maybe I could even buy into that. You went through a due diligence process. But really, I mean, the season only ended about a week or two ago, and they've already come up with Rex Ryan. So, boy, they really did an extensive search. Uh, listen, let's, let's be honest, okay? Uh, if, and, and it might not necessarily be the case for Buffalo because they may have legitimately been surprised by Doug Marone, you know, leaving the job. But in most cases... Um, when you feel like you're going to reach the end of the road for a coach, you get an inkling that he's going to move on, uh, he's going to retire, or that you're going to have to fire this guy, you already have an idea in your head as to who you would like to be the next coach of your team. Let's just be honest. Um, And the only thing that really can happen is if you do hold the interview process, someone comes in and really surprises you in their interview to make you think twice about your short list of guys that you really would like to see head your organization. So... um, that could be the case why a Rex Ryan is hired so quickly. Maybe, perhaps, the Bills' ownership was thinking, uh, you know, if this Marone thing doesn't work out, and it's not like we're lighting the world on fire with him, who's a guy I think would really be a good fit for us here in Buffalo? And that's probably what happened. And you hired, you brought in a couple other guys for some interviews, including your Rooney candidate, and none of them did enough in the interview to, you know, flip your head around on that. And, so guys got to be good okay. interviews, man, at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, I'll take your word on it because, I mean, that's your opinion. Uh, it's I, probably you what's right. happening. I mean, we don't know. You know, we're not in there. No. We're, we're not sitting in the room, and we don't know any executives of any NFL teams yet. 
But uh, I w- that's just my best theory on it. So no, I mean, it's not, I don't. I don't think you're far off with your theory. I just think it's a it's a it's a crappy way to do business if you want to improve y- your franchise because I think you're excluding some really good people for some people that have already proven to be mediocre or bad. So, but okay. listen, Emil, they couldn't. They can't get a a catch right at the end of a damn playoff game. You want them to handle. Hiring NFL coaches? Come on, you're asking for too much. I feel like Al Pacino, Chad. I feel like him in The Godfather 3 because every time I want to walk away from the NFL, it pulls me back in. (laughs) Oh, you can't leave the NFL, but we do need to leave this segment, and we're going to be back right after this break. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, Put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now.
1031 on a Gridiron Stud Show. It's the uh, weekend wrap show, and we've also got a very important game. There's some kind of big football game going down tonight, Emil, uh, involving two high-powered they, football They're playing teams. a game tonight? They are, indeed, playing a big-time football game tonight. It is the inaugural college football playoff championship. Emil, I'm, uh, I, I know you've said something about eight teams. I'm like this. Leave it at four, man. I, I think the pissed-off element in college football is great. You know what? TCU <laughs> and Baylor being mad, that's great for college football. Let's everyone talk about how they got screwed. Leave it. I like the screw factor. Let's leave it at four games. Well, I mean, I if I'm pissed off on screwed. Sundays, I that's might as no well joke. be pissed off on Saturdays, too. So, sure, why not? Pissed off works in this society now. And so, you know, let's just have some teams left out. We go to eight, man. That's you know, nine and ten might feel like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't deserve to be there. And then what would we talk about? What would Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith be able to argue and yap about in the college football if we didn't have that? Those guys would be forced to argue about something going on with hockey, and we don't nah. want to do that, do we? So we I just want the five years. conference champions in. I understand your point, but I would just like to see it be about competition. I'd like the five no, conference man. champions. I need one of those conferences to get totally screwed out of their opportunity to play for the championship so we can get a ton of belly aching about it because the discussion is great for college football. I'm going to tell you again, do we really want to hear all these talking heads talk about the NHL or the upcoming baseball season that's four months away? I don't want to hear that. Yeah. yeah, I want the ACC (laughs) or the Big Ten to get screwed or the Big 12 or the SEC. I want one of those – the SEC is never going to get screwed because the world revolves around the SEC. Yes. But I want one of those conferences to get screwed. I want one year for two teams to get in from the SEC or the Pac-12 so two conferences get screwed. That would be or how about this one? You want you really want to have some belly aching down your way. How about we have an SEC champion with two losses in some year where there's two undefeated teams and two one loss teams and we screw the SEC? That would be classic. And how good would that we be? Would remember forever. How good would that I'm, be? <laughs> I think that would be just so damn awesome. And it just so how do you want to do this here? You know, we're going to go through each NFL game. Do you want to first here lay out the pick here for the college? Is that what I, I sent you're going that direction right now? Do you want to lay out the Well, no. Pick? You know what? I, we're, we're good. We're good in this game. We can flip right back over to the National Football League. We'll save the college football pick for the end since I think that's what everyone is here for. And we'll just got to make their mouth water and they slobber all over their keyboards. Or okay. Their, uh, dashboards or whatever the hell they're in front of right now. We'll say that for the final segment. Right now, let's talk about these games that went down this past weekend in the NFL. And uh, first, we could start off with Baltimore and New England. And you and I text back and forth during this game. It looked to me like, good grief, man. Does Baltimore really have New England's number like this? They were running the hell out of the ball, and they probably needed to run it a little bit more. Emil, I don't know. I, perhaps you agree with that. Yeah, I think I think they have their number. I think it's just one of those. You know, certain teams match up, as you know, very well with other teams. And this, to be honest, was a very average edition of the Ravens. If you go look through their schedule, I mean, they won a lot of games they should have won. They, not a lot of great quality wins. They're just, just a, it was a team that got in the last week of the season, but again. They match up well with New England. They're well coached. Um, Flacco mm-hmm. seems to play out of his mind in playoff games. Uh, far better than I mean, if he played that well in the regular season, they'd probably be a number one seed right one of these years. Um, It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, but um, 
thing that concerned me at New England in that game, I guess, more than anything, is I didn't seem like Baltimore pushed them around a little bit. They were. They got. They were the more physical team. Uh, it just so happens that they didn't win. But I mean, New England ran the ball what thirteen times in a game. Thirteen. Well, if you take out Brady yards. scrambles, they had like ten rushes for seventeen yards, and that's always what troubles me. And it seems to be right now that that's the AFC side of things. The AFC seems to really disdain running the football. I mean, you look at the teams that were left. Only Baltimore ran it. Um, there, the, there was essentially a flag football game went down in Denver yesterday. So, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, at this point, I, I would have to say but without looking at the line, I mean, I, I think New England survived, and now I think you'll get their best shot on Sunday. I think that was a mm-hmm. game New England had to survive. They just – Baltimore is not a good matchup for them. So, Well, the two uh, – well, you know, let me not even get to that yet. Somehow they pulled it out. Brady did his thing, 50 pass attempts, 367 yards, you know, passing, three touchdowns. And uh, they came from behind, and, and they pulled this thing out. It really helped them to be home in this contest, I will say that, um, outscoring the, the Ravens 21-10 to 10 in that second half. Not the game that I expected to see, quite frankly. And you know who I think in that game came to me watching it, who, who I think makes a legit case as an MVP candidate because the most valuable would mean remove him from the team and it's a completely different team, is Gronkowski. I think if you – if he were to go down early in a game for the Patriots, they would be in huge trouble. I mean, mm-hmm. the the matchup problems he creates and the, and the, even the way he allows other guys to get open because of the way you have to deal with him, you mm-hmm. take him away from New England and it's not – I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if there's another offensive player that isn't a quarterback that's as valuable to his team as Gronkowski. It's true, but I think at this point you're probably saying that about, about you know – anyone's top player not a quarterback right now as we look at as we look at this thing maybe maybe for the Green Bay Packers that is not the case it really is about Aaron Rodgers I think as you saw yesterday the Packers can survive without Jordy Nelson having a big game Uh, I think in Seattle if you if you put Marshawn Lynch on the shelf it's going to be very difficult for them to accomplish what they want to accomplish um, you know I think if you take but I think they may be able to figure it out because they have the defense uh, and and a quarterback that's good enough that maybe they could still win the game. I'm not sure New England can because their defense isn't as good as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, no, no doubt about it. I thought they would look better. I thought they'd run the ball better. My God, uh, how long does Jonas Gray have to pay for coming to practice late? That's a I mean, very weird. Yeah, that's a very weird situation there. I mean, I know it was one game, but the guy rips off 200 yards. Okay. He's late for practice. You made your point, but like you said, how how long is he going to pay for that? I mean, it's like, come on. Yeah, man. I mean, for God's sakes, I think the message has been given there. I mean, he can't get one carry in the game. You can't give that guy a couple series to see if he could turn the tide on the running game. I think you know Bill Belichick's being a little arrogant here, and you know, let's see, it might cost him. Might, um, might, but know, they survived. I, I don't think they, they can they come survived. out. Yeah, I don't think they can come out and go 13 rushes for 14 yards against Indianapolis and and win again. The Colts, the Colts uh, are going to make the necessary adjustments. Off well, I don't think they'd want earlier. to either, right? I mean, the first time they played the Colts, they played them in Indianapolis and ran the ball for 200 yards. I mean, why would you why would you not try to run the ball? Yeah, I mean, can can Jonas Gray get some carries this week? All right, Carolina and Seattle. Um, it had all the looks early on as being the game that I thought it would be. You know, I said the score would probably be 12-3. to 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then things got a little 
haywire there in the fourth quarter. How about how about? I mean, just to jump off of the football here, um, you we all know Marshawn Lynch was fined eleven thousand dollars for his uh, his gesture as he dove into the end zone uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. You, you do know what I'm talking about, right there, right? Mm-hmm. Where he holds his nuts and flies himself into the end zone. Well, <laughs> he didn't have a play, a scoring play like that in the game <laughs> against <laughs> against the Carolina Panthers. But Cam Chancellor did have a 90-yard interception return. And Amal, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, but somehow, some way, some 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 photographer caught a picture of Cam Chancellor on his way to the end zone, and in the background is Marshawn Lynch watching from the sidelines, hand on his nuts. <laughs> on his nuts. What concerns me is that that photographer had to have his lens focused on Marshawn Lynch's nuts. Not necessarily, man, because Cam Chancellor is front and center, man, but you cannot ignore the background. And it's Marshawn Lynch grabbing a hold of the handle, man, watching his play like, damn, man, these nuts are for you, Cam Chancellor. It's just amazing. Marshawn Lynch is uh, uh, he's a he's 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 a memorable character in this league. Oh, man, he's, sure got, he's, he's got some other music in his head. You talk about beat, oh, march definitely. to the beat of a different drummer. Wow. Definitely, definitely. And his answers yesterday. What was Chancellor uh, on Saturday yesterday. night? Chancellor looked insane was, on Saturday night. He got a hold of some some Colombian's brick and broke it open and snorted it, man, because he was just everywhere. He knocked the hell out of what's that fullback's name? The guy with the big old basket. Uh, oh, I know who you're up. talking about, but I don't. Yeah, name the name is. He got a me. carry and he got a carry in that game and and was jostling his way through Tolbert. Uh, yeah. Came through the line looking for yards, and Chancellor came up and smacked him like he was 195 pounds. And if you've seen Tolbert, you know damn well that he isn't. Um, he leaps, I think, three times. Uh, it looked like a gymnastics competition as he tried to kick the damn field goal three times, and three times this guy goes over to center. One time the ball Casper to ghost him and goes through him somehow, and he missed it. And the next time he, he, I believe he tipped it, but he didn't get credit for it because they. Flagged him for running into the kicker, and then he, you know, good grief, man. That guy was, was amazing. I mean, at the second he time he tried it, I was waiting for the center to stand up or something and just, you know, flip him. Yeah, I know. It's like, can you do something about that? But, no, he just keeps leaping over the damn thing. And yeah. He looked like uh, <laughs> looked like someone. I know you're not going to like what I'm going to tell you, but you said that Cam Newton is, is, is looks like a defensive end. He might want to consider playing defensive end because I'm not seeing the progression with him as a quarterback. I'm not. I'm not either. Uh, I don't know how much to blame him on that. Uh, you know, Kelvin Benjamin's a good weapon. I think losing Steve Smith was a was a serious problem for him. They do need a comparable player at that other spot. Uh, and you just yeah, can't he doesn't run get off his with first guy, Jared. He that? doesn't get. I mean, he had what two picks Saturday. Probably could have thrown a couple more. He had a fumble. They got back. I mean, he, mm. he doesn't get off his first guy. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from Chancellor. He made a great play on the interception, mm. but. He, he almost mm-hmm. took he almost took Chancellor to the ball. He did. I, I don't know why he threw it. And you know, look, you're a quarterback. Sometimes you're going to have some plays like that where you just do something really boneheaded. I'm sure on his way to the sidelines as Chancellor was galloping down the field, he would have come to that same conclusion, saying, "I was really boneheaded and stupid play right yeah. there." I admit that. But um, I don't know. There's a couple of things. He doesn't necessarily have the weapons that he needs. And number two is they need to start progressing away from the whole zone read, I'm going to run the quarterback thing, because it, it's retarding his progress as a pocket 
passer enamel. We could we could have this debate forever and ever with people who want to think otherwise. That is the kind of quarterback that wins in this league. So for fear of sounding like Trent Dilfer or or even Steve Young, that is what this league is about. You got to pass from the pocket, man. And when when things when all else breaks loose and breaks down. Then you take off and run, and that's and he's always hurt because of that. Listen, let's look at who played yesterday, this weekend. Okay, New England and Baltimore, two pocket passers. Indianapolis and Denver, two pocket passers. Green Bay and Dallas, two pocket passers. Carolina, Arizona, a read option quarterback, and whatever they had on the other side. (laughs) Oh wait, forget that. I'm talking. I'm in the week before Carolina, Seattle. You had Russell Wilson, who no matter what people say wins from the pocket and is like an Aaron Rodgers in that he uses his legs to buy time usually. He'll run when he has mm-hmm. to. He's not running read option. That's not his his forte. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, um you, I mean, you got to you got to start moving him away from that. You got to move him away from that and you got to which is not something I think they're going to be willing to do. It's just uh they feel like we've got this guy for this reason and that's how we're going to use him and I just think it's going to, you know, be a it's going to be a roadblock for them getting to where they want to go, and then ultimately you know who's going to take the blame for that, and it will be Cam Newton. But you know, Seattle's defense, Emil, they're in full postseason mode. They are flying around. I love to watch it. Those guys look like they're having a tremendous amount of fun stopping oh, yeah. the other team. It's just not, uh, not it's that fun I think they watch. care much. I think they're so confident right now. I don't think they, the team itself really cares much who walks in there next week. But I will say this. Deep down in their heart, there had to be a few of them that were real happy that was an incomplete pass because I just really, I mean, on the surface, I don't know what the line is yet, mm. but I think Green Bay is a really nice matchup for them, especially when the guy's got a bad calf. Oh, do I think that's a nice matchup for them. Well, you you and I have been around each other long enough to know to know this about me. If I'm, if I'm the coach, all right, uh, I would have rather have seen the Cowboys than the Packers. I am always leery of taking on a team in the postseason that I beat in the regular season. And I think Seattle would probably have an upper hand against the Cowboys coming in because they're going to be the team to probably make some adjustments and do some different things. Right, right. And the Cowboys are going to come in trying to do the same thing. That's just the coach part in me. But, um, you know, Cowboys running the ball would have, you know, would have posed some problems. But, man, I don't know. The Packers lost, what, 36-15 to the first time? They're going to make some adjustments, and it's and it's this game's going to depend on how fast Seattle can figure out what's what the new stuff that Green Bay is doing and shut it down, and that's usually a problem. And the Packers are a good team, and to beat them twice, it's going to yep, require that's true. Know, some qualified effort, but, no doubt. But I definitely uh, think so, I definitely think you got to keep an eye, and we will all week until we get to Friday. We got to keep an eye on that uh, calf. I think that's a, a big a big uh, big deal. Yeah, yeah, and it, it won't be so it won't be so arctic cold in uh, Seattle as it was in Green Bay. Perhaps there will be feeling in the lower extremities. In the exactly. Game, uh, as, as the Seahawks take on the Packers, we've already talked enough about the Cowboys Packers yep. game. We I think we know what happened there. Uh, this game was all about well, that one. One thing I wanted to say though matters. is that, and I don't know, you know, you haven't got a chance to see all of it. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought that the, the plays in that game, forget the officiating. I thought there was three key plays in the game that really contributed more to the loss than the official. One, end mm-hmm. of the first half, Dallas has the ball with 40 seconds left on the Green Bay, 27, up 14-7. Mm-hmm. For some godforsaken mm-hmm. reason, I talked about it Friday, old Cowboys mm-hmm. came out. Instead of handing mm-hmm. the ball to Murray, which 
probably yields a first down, but even if it doesn't, waste five or six seconds and forces Green Bay to use a timeout. The Cowboys, for some reason, go empty and, and actually take a shotgun snap, which bounces off Romo. He recovers it, throws it away, and they leave Bailey with a 45-yard field goal in the cold, which he pushed to the right. Green Bay comes down, second key play. Dallas sacks Rodgers. They have him second and 20 with 16 seconds left in the half on their own 40. Green Bay hits a 31-yard out pattern in front of Brandon Carr, um, kicks a field goal. So there is a six-point swing in my mind because there's no excuse for not running the ball on third and one with 40 seconds left in the half. You need to manage the game. And the other key play, DeMarco Murray did what he's been doing all year, a great player, but six fumbles led the league for running backs. He had a hole that he could have ran to Illinois on when the score was 14-10, and the score probably would have been 21-10. If he gets through the hole, Julius Peppers hits his arm, he puts it on the ground. Big. Those three plays are why I say no one call costs you a game. Oh, yeah. If you're a true football fan and you or, or you know what you're talking about about this game, you know that in the course of a game like that, it's just not going to come down to one thing. Oh, true, one play can you know, turn the momentum in a game and, and, and cause a series of events after it. But rarely does a game ever come down to uh, one particular play. But that, that doesn't suit the narrative about games where you're trying to, you know, put them in, in history, you know, the wide rights. Uh, and, and the, well, right, uh, of course. It's, it's always you know, going to be the, the narrative the is the, the one the, play. The miracle. Yeah, the miracle in in in, uh, in Tennessee, the Music City miracle. Yeah. Um, you know that's. Well, that's, I want you to watch the entire playback. Would, would you do me that favor? So Friday, I'd like you to watch the game when you have a chance. The, the one hour version that NFL Network will throw on, or whatever it is. And um, when you see the sequence of of clock management and game management at the end of that first half, with your team leading by seven, um, that one was perplexing by by Scott Linehan, who's done a good job this year. So I'm not going to kill him. Um, but it was really it changed the momentum. Really did. I mean that that six point swing is huge. I mean going into a locker room on the road up by ten is a lot different than up four. And that you know you don't need a genius to figure that out. So right, no no doubt about it. So uh, you know you know I, you know I will give it a heavy analytical eye when I'm watching it. So um, you know we'll we'll do that. Okay. And the final game we probably uh, want to talk about is the uh, the. The the one we saw last night, and Emil, you and I both know this. He's not going out on his career with a loss to his former team in the playoffs. But it really looked last night like this should be the end of the road for Peyton Manning. Ball's got nothing on it. I mean, you know, I understand you don't have to have a rocket launcher to play quarterback in the NFL. God knows Joe Montana didn't. But right now, and, I, and I, I'm not exaggerating this. Some of the passes he threw. Looked like you and I went in my backyard and they started filming us playing catch. I mean, was, right. I mean there was just right. it, so it, much it air awful. under those balls. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. The 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 uncle, uh, the the uncle from uh, uh, what's 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 the movie that I'm um it's escaping my mind right now. The kid with the curly afro, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. The uncle uh, from yeah. Napoleon Dynamite had more mustard on his passes in that movie. So. Um, so yeah, something's definitely wrong with Peyton's arm, and you can have the biggest brain in the world, but good God, man, you got to have, you got to be able to get the ball there. And so, well, I'm sure uh, you right noticed now, what I'm sure you noticed that the Colts kind of figured that out early on, and if you really looked what they did, I mean, they almost crowded 
all the receivers and just dared them to beat them over the top because they 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 weren't worried about it. Right, right. Um, man, listen, you know what it is uh, at this point. If you're facing Peyton Manning, I think the book's really going to be out there next year to the point where they might struggle in the in the regular season. Because if I'm facing Peyton Manning, I just don't allow throws over the middle and force this guy to throw outs and fades and everything else. The ball can't get there. We're going to have all types of time to break on a ball thrown to the outside. Just you force him to throw the ball to the numbers and from the numbers to the sidelines, and you're probably going to have a good chance defending Denver. Well, there's two there's two guys right now that that have that issue that you know they you know didn't always have the the one never had a great arm, but he's really lost some some zip. And that's Breeze. I mean, he can't make those throws, you know, to, to outside the numbers anymore. And teams figured New Orleans out this year and really took the middle away and forced him. And you know, you know, people call or or tweet you and say, "Look at Breeze's numbers." I don't listen. I don't care what his passing yards were. That doesn't mean anything. They they were a seven and nine team. They got a lot of garbage yards throughout the season. He threw a lot of picks for Drew Breeze, and really, that offense was never right all season. Right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, something a long, hard look needs to uh, be given by Peyton Manning. And you said you said something about their regular season next year. I'll go on record right now and say I think if he's the quarterback next season, because they're not going to add much in terms of, you know, their draft position is low, so they may get a guy or two that helps them. Um, They're not; they shouldn't be big players in free agency because they spent a lot of money already. I really see that team being like a nine and seven type of team, the way it's constituted. They've got age on defense. Um, I talked to you last night about Demarcus Ware. I think it's a shame, and you, you had a great point. I think it's a shame he didn't renegotiate and stay in Dallas where he belongs because he went there, and you know what? He had ten sacks in the regular season next to Von Miller, and last night he looked like a guy playing in quicksand trying to get to the quarterback. Yeah, I think more. I think more NFL stars need to do that. It's a difficult thing for them to say no to that money that's right there in their face. But a lot of these guys go to a new place and they don't really adapt. They don't fit in, and they never really realize uh, financially all. They never get to all that money that's in that new contract that they get with that new team. Yeah, they do get that upfront money, but you know something, man. You can extend your career by staying with the team that you made it with. Um, you could reach some kind of a legacy status. You could have something that your kids could look back on, your grandkids could look back on. You could achieve a ring. You don't have to have any regrets. Um, and you're sacrificing what? You know, three, four, five million dollars for that? That sounds crazy to the common person. But if you've made as much money as some of these guys have made in your career, if you couldn't manage the 40 or 50 million dollars that you made up to this point, another four or five million dollars is not going to help you, man. You're going to blow through that thing too. And what about your legacy? What about being a legend in this game? What about winning championships? What about being on the NFL films 20, 30, 40 years from now? I think too many guys throw that away for... for you know, I mean, you, you look at a guy like like player. DeMarcus Ware, right? A great player. You don't think that if, if, if he had renegotiated and not forced the Cowboys to play him as a full-time starter, knowing that, hey, now the money dictates that we could play him as a situational pass rush specialist. You don't think he could have got 10 sacks? Just just rushing the quarterback in the right situations in Dallas this year, if and, and save. Yeah, and could you know, have been he, a part of this run that they made here. Maybe he would have been the difference. Who knows? Who knows? But you know, instead he's in that. Denver. He's watching a game yesterday where, you know, his 
his quarterbacks lobbing rainbows out there with no chance to win. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a Bronco. He's a cowboy. You know, maybe that's just yeah. you and me and being a little know, bit older. He has to know he's on a bit of a sinking ship. We were in the Super Bowl last year. We're out in the divisional round this year. Typically that thing doesn't flip back to you going to the Super Bowl, especially, you know, when when the guy at the head of this thing looks like he's on his way out. So no, look at the trajectory the of the two franchises. The right choice. Yeah, one team yeah, is probably, no. if we go look at the chart, Denver, probably one of the five oldest teams in the league. And I know for a fact, because they showed it yesterday, Dallas is the second youngest team in the league. Um, if you're him at age 32, which ship would you like to be on next year? Yeah, um, he, he chased the quick money and what he thought was going to be a quick chance at a championship. And uh, he got one, maybe. Uh, and he's definitely looking like he's not going to get the the other part of this. Okay, we're going to jump into a quick break. When we get back, when we get back, it's championship, college football championship pick time. As Amal and I will break it down and give you our thoughts on who's going to win tonight's big game. We'll do that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. game but before we do that one of our greatest callers is on the line here looking to talk with us and hey we don't have a whole lot of time man but uh grace is with your wisdom do you want to talk to my cowboy co-host here i'll let you two talk hey hey i'm not gonna get into about the cowboys i'm good i'm good oh look at you letting the man off easy Hey, nah, you know, in life, you know, I, I learned something from Amon. Um, I appreciate him because he at least keep it real with me. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. hey, Detroit took it on the chin, so, hey, karma's a mug, so. <laughs> hey, do you wish Rex Ryan was the coach of your Detroit Lions football team? No, hell no, hell no. <laughs> I don't think anybody wishes Rex was their coach today. Nah, hey, man, oh, man. Thank, God he, thank God he can still get money in the NFL and, and people still believe in him. I mean, I would want a coach that's a rah-rah guy as well, you know. It's just the fact of it is. I mean, you, he couldn't develop the guys he had in New York. I mean, we're, we're saying he's going to continue to develop the young men or the talent that they have in uh, Buffalo because – well, actually, in Detroit, man, you know, he'd probably be working with a little better situation in Detroit because you already have a quarterback there. I know you're not a Matthew Stafford lover, but that quarterback situation is a whole lot better than anything going on in New York or Buffalo. So uh, it wouldn't be as bad for him to be coaching your team as it is as it looks like for him going to Buffalo. Let me just say that. Well, like I said, man, I'm glad he landed somewhere. And it's it's a fortunate thing in this business that you can get a job after getting fired like that. I wonder if a black man can do that. <laughs> well, listen, we talked about a little bit about the Rooney Rule today, and your team actually happens to have one of the handful uh, or fingerful of black coaches um, on the, uh, as their head man, and so. Well, you know. it, it took generations for something like this to happen. I mean, by by not Detroit being almost 85% black city, you know, they elected Obama, so it had to be time for them to bring a black man to Detroit as the head coach. I mean, it's time for Hey, I'm not going to lie, though. He wasn't, he wasn't black, but I did like Schwartz's swag, you know, chasing Harbaugh into the tunnel on a couple oh, of other gestures that have been memorialized on YouTube. I kind of love that guy. Les, you must have missed the first segment here because, I'm, I, believe it or not, I'm the one who lit up the Rooney rule. I mean, I believe, I mean you're a good guy, man, because you, you're very understanding because, you know, everybody deserves a chance, and it doesn't matter what color you are. As long as you're a good coach and you know how to bring men together and make them fight for a common cause, it doesn't matter what color you are. I mean, I like – I like uh, Swartz. I mean, I thought he was a great coach. The difference of it is, is that he allowed Matthew Stafford to be Matthew Stafford, and things like that happens. And eventually, nah, I thought the team was so undisciplined long. under him, though. It, they maybe took on too much of his personality, and they right. got a little. He, he had that "I don't give a fuck" attitude, like everybody else. You know, shit. But I mean, kudos to you for HBO and this telecast. Yeah, we we could definitely do politically incorrect with uh. Well, hey, well, man, I, I I am who I am, man. I gotta keep it real. Yeah, I know. Look, I I love that you keep it real. Listen, we're we're short on time, but you tell us what you think's gonna go down tonight in this big football game between Ohio State and Oregon. Um, you know, I'm I I, I don't like to talk to even about them cats. So um, I'm gonna be like Terrell Suggs. Uh, that team. They have a great chance to capitalize on a situation where they went through three quarterbacks. Uh, they have an outstanding program. But, um, mm. you know, I hope the Ducks win. Yeah, and why? Why are you hoping for a Ducks win? What are you rooting for? Um, I mean, Marcus Mariota has done a lot to build himself up. I don't know if he's going to be an outstanding professional athlete. I think, you know, Chip Kelly has brought a different style of football to the West Coast. And most people, you know, didn't believe in his system. And, um, I mean, I think they got the talent to, to beat Ohio State. It's just, you know, guys have made mistakes and put them in situations where other guys got to step up. 
Um, there's a kid by the name of Dior Mathis from Detroit, Michigan, that was an outstanding mm-hmm. athlete that I know. It's at uh, mm-hmm. Oregon. And I know the type of heart that some of these kids have. And uh, mm-hmm. even though Ohio State got a great running back and this quarterback has played well, I think Oregon has the ability to, to, you know, come up to the task. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, man, and we'll and we'll leave it at that, man. Uh, my man Les is is hoping for an Oregon win. Uh, you hoping for it, or you thinking it's going to happen? And if you think it's going to happen, will they cover that kind of lofty point spread? What do you think about that? They're not going to cover a point spread. I mean, Urban Meyer's team is a talented team. I mean, it's going to come down to who has the ball last. Okay, and I'm, well, like I can. Certainly appreciate that, and that that would be great for everyone involved, except for any better that took Oregon. I mean, the, uh, uh, the college football players. So Les people is calling together for an Ohio State cover. We got you on record, Les. Make Oregon sure you win. call Friday. Yeah. All right, man. We got to let you go, man. But appreciate the insight on all that. All right. All right, man. Les always a great caller. He did uh, take it to Cinemax there on us. We, we, he we did a little bit, but that's that, okay. But he. He did. All right. Uh, let's hit your college football pick. But you know what? I just a little nugget just came in. I don't know how you feel about this because we just railed on the guy a little bit. They're saying uh, Peyton Manning had a, a torn quad, and uh, that may have affected his velocity. I'm calling BS on that because uh, those ducks were coming all year long. They were. I just thought I'd throw that out there. He may have had that that exa- you know exacerbated it, made it worse. But listen, the last second half of that season, they went to a running game for a reason. They saw what mm-hmm. we saw. Right, exactly, exactly. All right, let's talk this this uh, game here. What do you think? How's this going to go? What's your point spread play on this one? Okay, we, we, um, we're using Oregon as a six-point favor, correct, for, for yes. our purposes? Um, yes. You know, I look at this game, and, you know, there's a side of me that I, I always love taking points when I can. Um, it's mm-hmm. always fun to see your team score and be up, uh, to, you know, getting points on top of it. But I, mm-hmm. I just can't go away from what I've, I I call for Oregon to win the championship at the beginning of the year. I I foolishly went with Florida State in a game that I should have seen, you know, the pitfalls for Florida State playing Oregon, knowing how Florida State has escaped all year. And, you know, I took the, mm-hmm. I took the nine points and I watched Oregon blow them out. Here's the way I feel about this game. Mm-hmm. I think whoever wins the game covers, and what obviously if Ohio State does. I mean, in other words, I'm either seeing Ohio State pulling an outright upset or I think Oregon will extend the lead at the end of the game, toward the end of the game, and win this game. I think it's going to be Oregon. I think they're going to win the game and cover the six points. Entertaining game, but I'm going to call it something like Oregon 41, Ohio State 31. Okay. Um, listen, I'm obviously on record for saying that Oregon would play in this game way back in July. I thought they would be playing Alabama. That almost happened. Um and I said that Oregon would win the national championship. And I'm not going to come off of that per se, Emil, but I am tending to agree with uh, Les, our caller here on this one. I think it's going to be one of those games where it comes down to the end and it could very well be the last team with the ball being the one who wins this thing. It may be a bit like the Auburn-Oregon matchup, although I think it will be you know, quite a bit more high scoring. I have a healthy fear of Urban Meyer. Um, I think if if you can do the things that they've been able to do this year and what they've been able to overcome, uh, first losing you know Braxton Miller early in the year and then being able to battle back from the Virginia Tech loss, 
and uh, and then losing JT Barrett and you know having Cardell Jones come in the third string quarterback and and beating the heck out of a, out of a pretty good Wisconsin team uh, and then slaying the almighty Alabama. This team is mentally tough. They're mentally strong, and they've got something good going on there. And you know I've mentioned it on the air before when I went over to Ohio State two years ago. Uh, on the on the visit to Ohio State, everyone in that building believed that Ohio State would win. And I'm not just talking about the coaches because they're supposed to believe that. I'm talking about the lady at the front. I'm talking to pe- the people who cleaned up that place. I'm talking about everyone. And I just think right now they have a very strong belief, and that's going to keep them in this game no matter what the circumstances are. I think Ohio State has some things that they can definitely work with. They've got a good r- running game. Cardell Jones is obviously a capable passer in the, the – uh, the playbook doesn't need to shrink. And then another thing I'm also very concerned about is I went back and watched. I was so enamored by what Oregon was able to do against Florida State that I went back and watched some of those old Stanford-Oregon games and said, let me just really pay attention to what it is uh, Stanford did against Oregon to slow this team down. And I think Ohio State is really in a position to do some of those things that Stanford didn't necessarily have the personnel to be able to do this year. There is a blueprint out there to stopping this Oregon offense. I think Ohio State uh, and the minds that they have there are capable of, of executing that, and they have the players to executing it to execute it, and they could indeed slow this Oregon offense down. The one reason why I would say they aren't necessarily in a position to win it is because you do have a four-year starter there like Mariota, and when you have an offense like this, a four-year starter there is the reason why you get this far, and I think at the end of the day, he's going to be able to make that play in that final drive or near the end of the game to win it. I just don't know that they're six points better than Ohio State. So you're calling for Ohio State plus the six, but you feel like Oregon will sneak one out with a barefooted guy winning it. I think it might might come down to that. Uh, but I think it's gonna it's it's gonna come down to the end of the game. I don't know if it's a, a kicker is gonna trot out there and do it. I don't know. I am seeing a 35-31 type deal, something like that. 34-31. That's the numbers that keeps coming into my head, and I've got Oregon winning something like that. 35-31, 34-31, and uh, the uh, I get what I get what I called for in July, and then you know. Ohio State backers get you know a little bit of something. So that's how I see it, man. So at the end of the day, you're on Oregon. I'm Ohio State. That's going to make this thing even more fun watching it tonight. Oh, Someone's I can't wait till text. Friday. Someone's going to win Somebody's... a texting war. <laughs> yes, we'll have a texting war tonight, and then we can go off and see who was right on Friday. Okay, good call. I mean, yeah, I like exactly. your logic. I think you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I could very well be wrong, man, but uh, I'm sure they have studied <laughs> the hell out of that Stanford tape. I'm sure they've studied the heck out of the Arizona tape. And uh, I think Urban Meyer, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm afraid the guy's a damn good coach, man. I just can't see him going out like that uh, at this last part. But, uh, again, I could be very well wrong. We'll see. One of us is winning this thing tonight um, unless there's a six-point victory. And then, and then we get a nice push to add to we, our ledger. Yeah, we, we we kissed our sisters in this one. So right. that's it, man. Um, the end of the college football season happens tonight. Pull out your tissue, man. Let's start crying. Okay, that's it. We're done, at, we're done is, after this song tonight. Is not only for, yeah, this song's not only for this show. It's for the college football season. It's yeah, but we'll be, we'll be on to signing day soon. It's not, it, there's always something. There's always there's always something, and that's I'll be on tomorrow, uh, and I will be uh, I'll have a pretty good heavy high school college football recruiting show. We'll talk about.
some of the things I saw at the South Florida Express tryouts. There was talent everywhere. I'm sure people want to know about it. So I'll uh, talk a little bit about that uh, on tomorrow's show. Emil rejoins me on Friday as we preview the championship games in the AFC and NFC and talk more uh, college and NFL football. And we'll talk about what happened in this game tonight. So can't wait to see you guys then. And uh, thank you all for listening to the Gridiron Stead Show and making it a featured show on Blog Talk Radio. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening. See you guys tomorrow. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.